Well, on this Easter Sunday, we wanted to bring you something a little bit special, and you may not know it, but in the church, we've got some uh, people that are actually experts at putting uh, dramatic sketches together, and so we've asked a couple in the church, uh, Jeff and Don Smith, to, to write something for us, and actually, they've produced a wonderful job this morning. I'd love to introduce you to a skit that's, that's showing us the scripture from this morning, all about Easter Sunday. Thank you to the Smiths. Please enjoy. It's hard to describe these days. It seems like the whole country is caving in on us. A deep darkness appears to cover the whole country. Just when we were about to be rescued, everything was ripped from under us. I know, and the burial was right afterwards. Only his mother and a few others got to go. Hey, wait up a second. Like you all were having a pretty serious conversation. You must be the only person who doesn't know what's happened. What has happened? Well, the, the prophet, the one that performed all those miracles and told us all those amazing things, and all the people loved him. That was three days ago. Then some of us went to the cemetery. His grave was empty. We don't know what to do or what to think. Hey, uh, why don't you eat with us? I suppose I could do that. had to happen. It was foretold about. I mean, your prophet, he was whipped, right? Yes. Well, it says that by his stripes you are free. He was also hung on a cross, correct? Yes. Well, it, it also says there that those who are hung on a tree are cursed. But he took that curse, and he buried it with him, and he is risen. We have to go tell the others. I can't believe it. It's him. It was like we saw him for the first time. But more than that, we felt his peace. A peace that burned away our fears and everything else. And I just got chills as I was watching that. I'm so thankful for Jeff and Don and the way that they were able to put that together and for all the actors involved. 
Our community is made up of some amazingly talented people uh, and a diverse group as well. I wish we could get everybody involved in the service so you could see just what the Mission Vineyard community looks like. I think that's one of the biggest losses that we have in the time of this pandemic is that you don't get to see who the church really is. You just get to see a few people. Our church has come together to welcome Jesus into all of life. And we come from uh, different racial backgrounds, different ethnicities, and uh, there's just so much strength in what God has put together in our church. I love our church. Uh, I've just been really encouraged by, by who God's made us to be. So with that, I want to welcome you this morning on the Facebook feed, wherever you are. We're going to join in in an Easter celebration that's been used throughout the ages. I'm going to announce Christ is risen. And you can't answer back, he is risen indeed. But our lead is going to do that for you. She's going to do a great job. But we have so many different ethnicities and backgrounds in the church. I wondered, for those of you who can, to write back in your own uh, mother tongue, your, your home language, he is risen indeed. So I'm going to say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And then you can answer back on Facebook, he is risen indeed in your home language. Can we do that together? Are you guys ready? Maybe you need to, you, you've forgotten, I don't know, maybe you got to look it up or something. I, I, I know I forgot my Italian for how to say it. I know I could say it in Greek because my, my Greek barber taught me how to say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christos enesti. But uh, would you, let's all celebrate together, all together on Facebook. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's the truth of this morning. That's why Easter is such a big deal. It's because for the first time in history, God took somebody who was dead. He took Jesus, dead, and not just put him back in human order, but gave him a completely new body. He is resurrected. He is redeemed. He is the first and the anticipation of what God plans to do with us one day when he returns. Our heavenly bodies given to us. Jesus has given us that example. And so this morning, I want to welcome you to celebrate in hope that Christ is risen. Now, you, I, I didn't grow up in a, classically, uh, in a classical church, in a liturgical church. So saying Christ is risen doesn't mean, I, I, it's become more meaningful to me over the years. But for you, this has been something that you've grown up with for years. Yes, I, from, I'm, from the time I was born. <laughs> from the time you were born, you're saying yeah. Christ is risen. So what does it mean for you that Christ is risen to be able to announce it like this this morning? I think it's, I think it's one of the special things is the family connection, is that it goes back centuries and around the world. I have a sister that lives in another country in Europe and her church is an international church. And so on their Zoom call this morning, they had different people from different languages saying the same refrain and that it's, a, it's the message of Jesus has lasted generation upon generation upon generation. And that brings me hope and it makes me feel more connected, even in a time where we're disconnected physically, we're still connected, thankfully through technology, but also the traditions. I'm so thankful, you guys. I'm just looking at our post here. He is risen indeed, is risen indeed. Thank you so much for writing in. I know it's a stretch to be able to, to write in here, but um, you know, at, at least some Spanish as well. I'm so thankful for you guys. Way to stretch. He is risen indeed. Well, um, here's one point that I want to make sure that we are getting this morning to you. That the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. 
I don't know if you need hope these days, but the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope, and we need this hope. Here's the hope. God has made room for you and for me to receive his powerful grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. I told you that Jesus is resurrected. He didn't just get resuscitated. He got resurrected into a new body, a heavenly body. And because of that, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, the whole existence, the whole universe has changed. And now the Holy Spirit is available to us in a powerful way so we can have his powerful grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't remember anything else today, I want you to remember this. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope that God has made room for us to receive his powerful grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Easter is a day of resurrection hope. Today is the day. Today is the day that Jesus has made. This is part of Psalm uh, 118 that we've been going through all week. This is the day that you have made. This is actually the central verse of your life. Yes. Psalm 118. 24. 24. Uh, What does it mean today? I wonder to echo back. uh, This is Easter Sunday. And it's one of those those words that maybe was said over Jesus as he was going into Jerusalem Mm -hmm. before his death. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice. What does it mean for you today? Um, I think it means... Uh, that even in hard times, we rejoice. We, like, we choose our response to things. And in really hard circumstances, Jesus knew what was coming. Yeah. And he still chose to rejoice. He still chose to fulfill um, what God had re- required of him. Um, and I think um, in having experienced really hard things in, our, in my life and really positive things, that there's, there's something, I, because I live, like I can rejoice in the day that I'm given. This is the day that God has made for us to be able to celebrate. And so it's a joy to rejoice and be glad in him no matter what's going on. Now, if you're not in that place this morning, maybe you've lost your job, maybe you know somebody who's sick, or maybe you know somebody who's passed away. Uh, I was on Facebook this morning and I saw just a very, very powerful post of of a theologian in our time who uh, went first to the gravesite of his son. His son had passed away some years ago and still about 20 years later, he still goes to his son's grave. I'm thinking every, every Easter. As part of walking through the rhythm of recognizing what resurrection hope means. For him, it means that he gets to see his son again. That the universe has changed where when we accept Jesus, we get to see those who have gone before us. We get to be with them. We get to be alive with them as Jesus is alive. That's part of the resurrection hope. But for some of us, it means going through some, some times of sadness and even cynicism. It's difficult. These are difficult times when it's hard to know who to believe. It's hard to know who to trust. We're getting mixed messages in the news. Is the virus going up or is it going down? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, it just seems like what we need right now is less cynicism and more hope. And you're saying, well, John, why? Cynicism protects me from when people uh, try to trick me or something like that. No, it really doesn't. The truth is that there is actual resurrection hope that protects us from any disillusionment, from being tricked. And that's what I want to engage this morning. If you're feeling cynical, even about this day of Easter, did Jesus really die? Did he really raise from the dead? I want you to, to maybe surrender your cynicism this morning. And that just means that you just give up your heart to, to it's, it's not like you could actually protect your heart anyway. 
all cynicism does, uh, cynicism is when we prioritize our fears over the hopes of others. And we do this all over, the, all over the place. We do it in our families. When we stop trusting our family members that are around us, we easily start arguments. We bite at one another. Uh, I, I know b- between you and us, Alita, as we've been you know, in the home and the kids, uh, it takes a lot to be able to come back to relationship and begin to lean into hope instead of cynicism. When the, when the news is on, it's, it's hard. I don't know what it's been like for you to watch Facebook feeds or news and, and, and to balance like cynicism and hope. What's that been like for you? Um, I think ultimately it just rests with where what brings me life. Yeah. Um, I know that if I am feeding that worry and anxiety too much with all the different talking heads, whatever news channel you listen to, it's not, the, it's not the truth, it's not the gospel, it's not the good news. And so I have to just stop it and do something that brings me life. So that's, that's through the word, that's through worship, that's through exercise, just other ways that um, bring me life and um, don't cause me to turn more towards cynicism because it doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah, I, and we're not saying that we shouldn't be trusting of news organizations or, you know, what, what the protective services are saying. I mean, we're all inside right now because we know the doctors on the front lines, and it's critical that we protect those, uh, those others, those vulnerable from getting the virus. We have to do that. This is part of the season of life, but it's difficult, and it's easy to be cynical. It's easy to stop believing any truth at all. And so I want to invite you this morning to lay down your cynicism and lean into hope. And that hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus. Now, there was a man I want to introduce you to this uh, this morning who was a super cynical guy. So if you think that uh, you are too far gone and you're just a a crabbity crab crab, uh, that's what I've just called you. Sorry, it's just a thing. I just made you're welcome. Uh, believe me, there was somebody worse before you, and he's actually in the Bible and one of the most powerful voices in the Bible, and his name is Paul. You see, Paul changed his name. He was such a crabby, ugly guy. He had to change his name from Saul to Paul. And now, actually, Paul is known for one of the most powerful scriptures in the whole world. It is said at weddings all over the place. He was a religious terrorist transformed by the hope of Jesus, Jesus facing him in the face, transforming him so that he could write one of the most powerful verses on love in the world in 1 Corinthians 13. Arlita, would you read that for us? Sure. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 
You can believe that this morning because the most cynical person on earth believed it. That's what I'm welcoming you into this morning. The resurrection of Jesus gives us access to the grace and power of God to have this hope. Now, I want to lead you into this verse. It's a very powerful verse. He wrote from prison after he was transformed, and he wrote to friends testifying to the nature of what this faith really meant. And it's out of Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It is the central verse for our message today because it leans into what it means to have that kind of hope, beginning with humility. You see, in order for cynics to change to those who have hope, especially in the midst of crisis, we have to have a humility that's given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul says about Jesus and what Jesus has done on the cross. This is actually a verse that you and I have said over the years as we've led on to missions teams and stuff. But would you read it for us, Arlena? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is one of the most powerful declarations, it's, and it's from a friend to a friend. Paul's writing to his friends and saying, this is what my faith is all about, and this is what your faith should be all about, because this is what changed my life. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. But after he did, God raised him up and gave him the name that's above every name. There's three things I want you to remember from this verse. The first is that this is God's character. God's character is to humble himself to make room for us. This is what God is doing for you today. He's what God has done for me today. It's what God has done for so many others in the church. Let me tell you, one of the the most powerful things about Mission Vineyard to me is the testimonies of those who have received life from the cross. And all through this week, we're going to have testimonies up on our Facebook feed for those who have had life from the cross. I spoke to a girl this week and she said that she wanted a young woman. She said she wanted to get baptized because the, the love of God had poured into her life so much that she wants to surrender her life. A young child, before all this started about, he said, Mom and Dad, I want to get baptized because this is what God has done in me. You see, this hope, this transformation, this power, the resurrection has given it to us in such a way that it invites us. Jesus invites us. He humbled himself so that we could have access to such a powerful love, present love, real love. We need it. In this world, we need it. And we need to be able to respond to it in community, echoing off of one another. Love, love, love. This is what Paul is saying. He's writing to a whole church and saying, let your attitude be the same as Jesus. Because this is the heart of who God is. Jesus, in his death and resurrection, reveals the true character of God for you and for me. But it's not just character. You see, humbling ourselves, 
This is the second thing I want you to remember, that humbling ourselves makes room for the Holy Spirit to give us grace and power to those who need it most. Now, Arlita Lynn, yes. I just called you by your middle name because this is a powerful thing. There are times that you know that I don't have the grace for people. Mm-hmm. And it, you're, you're pretty strong with me about what it means for me to, to kind of hang up my own cynicism and to be restored. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's a specific thing that you remember to say, but sometimes we recognize that on one another, even as couples, uh, what it means to be able to, to, to go and reset, to humble ourselves and make room for the Holy Spirit uh, because otherwise we can be roots of anxiety and stuff in the home instead of being roots of his love. You've actually studied some on this, and so our home has actually become a lot healthier because of this. What has it meant for you to be able to go and reset and, and get the grace of God in order to be um, more of God's love within a family, within a home? Um, I think it uh, varies in the situation to situation, <laughs> how, how quickly one can turn around. Yes. Um, is it just that somebody left a piece of clothing on the ground, or is it something yeah. more um, feels, uh, they're all, all uh, offenses are the same in God's eyes, but human to human, it can feel a little bit more intense in different moments. But my intensity, my anger, my grudge doesn't get me anywhere, and mm-hmm. it just actually turns me more inward um, <laughs> And I feel more cynical, more di- like um, distrustful. Is that a word? Yeah. Um, and so that choosing to take a deep breath, say a quick prayer, and then how do I want to show up in this situation is much more of a reflection of who I want to be in Jesus than the other, my more sinful human side of me that wants to be right and wants to dig my heels in and get my way and have my voice be heard. Um, those are things, some of those things can be good and not necessarily yeah. sinful, but how I approach it, my attitude, my behavior, how I carry myself can, can make all the difference. So early on in our marriage, we implemented um, saying sorry in a, in, a, in a really powerful way. Uh, it's not just saying sorry like, oh, sorry. Uh, we make sorry like a, a big deal, and actually it's a big deal for Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before you leave today, my hope is to give away three ways for you to be able to reset, not only in the family, but also with Jesus, because he wants you to be able to have that kind of reset where you receive his grace and his power and his love. But saying sorry is one of the first things that we really made like weirdly big between us. So our kids know that it's big. I think it also normalizes it so that so far we haven't had a huge issue with our children being ashamed or um, almost... uh, resentful or hesitant to even apologize like they're quick to apologize which yeah. is like a scripture like be slow like so i can't remember the reference but, eight, yes. but they're quick to recognize their wrongs and what what are they responsible for and 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 naming what we're actually apologizing for there are times like as most humans we go so sorry and we don't like what are you actually sorry for yeah and just staying it out loud and so then and then giving the other the opportunity to say i forgive you um, that's really powerful, and it not just brushing it on, oh, it's okay. Sometimes it's not okay, and we, we've been legitimately wronged, and validating the other person by acknowledging that I made a mistake. It's not me. I'm, my, my identity is secure in Jesus, but my behavior was inappropriate. Yeah. And so owning what I can own, owning what I'm responsible for, and changing how I show up next time, how I behave differently, how I can maybe communicate in a more healthy way or a more loving way. I think it takes a lot of humility to say sorry. Uh, like you said, sometimes it comes quick. Sometimes it takes a day 
to say, I am so sorry. And I, I think part of that humility is, am I sure that I'm going to be forgiven? How am I going to be received? How much of this offense is going to affect the other person? And thinking through conversations that aren't real. And yet, when I say I'm sorry, and I, because I've, I have offended you or the kids or something like that, uh, and they say or you say, I forgive you, because the weight of the humility is then over completely powered mm-hmm. by the weight of I forgive you. So much so that, that I think the second response almost rises up in me na- uh, just naturally. So sorry is the first thing, but then thank you is the second thing. Thank you. And it's not just between us, but I think it's between God as well. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. You have welcomed me. You've humbled yourself to even be in a position where I can say, I'm sorry. And you said, I forgive you. In fact, Jesus said, I forgive you in the most powerful way with the cross. There's no bigger way that anybody could ever say, I forgive you and I love you than with the cross. And so our natural response, just like with one another, when we feel like an offense has really been cleared away between us. Thank you. I think I was smiling when you were saying that because I often think there are moments and um, arguments or offenses where it takes a little more time to forgive the other. But with the cross and with Jesus, God, it's an instantaneous. Yeah. And when we come oh. to him, he doesn't need time to think about it. He doesn't need <laughs> the time to mull it over or see if I really forgive them. Or, or even there, there are the occasional times where it's a quick forgiveness and you're like, I, I don't think you really fully understand how yeah. I'm feeling here. Where God just immediately, he doesn't hold it against us and forgives us immediately. So I think it's so powerful that God has given us through Jesus, through Jesus' humility, this manner of sorry and thank you. Mm-hmm. And I think the third manner that he gives us in this humility, that Jesus was God, and yet he gave himself to the cross for us. And then God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. It actually means, Jesus means savior. And there's a sort of a play on words that goes on in Philippians where uh, Paul is, is doing something. He's saying that God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That is the name of Savior, but he's, he's given him also the name Lord. It's like Jesus is like champion of saving lives. Jesus is champion of forgiving people. Jesus is champion of humbling himself. Jesus is champion for laying his life down. Jesus is champion for doing life. God has given him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, all the other selfish ambition gets laid down. All the sin gets laid down. Our own way gets laid down at the name of Jesus. That every tongue confesses that he's the champion. And so we should follow him. And so there's a welcoming to us to say, please, God, would you lead me? Sorry, thank you, please. Would you lead me? Would you help me to do life better? We do this between each other too, like, would you help me? Would you remind me that this wasn't right? Would you help me next time? Remind me. Not that you're responsible for my behavior. I'm responsible. But we get to ask God in the same way. Would you help me? And this is the third thing that I want you to remember from the life from the cross that Paul is talking about here in Philippians. That Jesus makes himself available 
to us now to live a humble and powerful life. If you were looking to log into church this morning, or maybe you're interested in Christianity, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but your faith really hasn't stood up to the test of time. Maybe it's a 12-year-old faith for a 40-year-old life. I want to tell you that Jesus is big enough. And he's big enough because he's not a program. He's not a lose-weight diet that you can read on the internet. The Bible isn't given to us and just saying, you better follow it, otherwise you're going to get screwed up. No, Jesus is alive. Part of the resurrection hope we get from the cross is that we don't have to go this alone. Jesus is alive. Not in some far distant off place. He's alive with us now through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's here for the Holy... He gives us the availability to live a humble and powerful life. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope that God has made room for us and he makes room for us every day to receive his power and his powerful grace. You see, you might not feel like the Bible is relevant or maybe you've met some Christians that are just jerks. I have too, and sometimes I'm a jerk. And I'm sorry about that. Please forgive me. But the truth is that those that are living in the belief that Jesus is raised from the dead are filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that they receive a divine purpose for their life. A purpose that's not defined by their goods and their bads, by how much they did well and how much they didn't, by how much money they made, how much success they have, by how great their family is or isn't. All of that is laid down. Jesus is made champion, but he also gives, us, gives himself to us as guide. We get to be led directly by him through the woods of this life, navigating not by a program or by a map, but by a person. You see, we don't believe in Christianity. We believe in Jesus. We don't follow Christianity. We follow Jesus. And when we do, our lives get transformed just like Paul's did, just like the people I talked to you about this morning that want to get baptized, all those that have gotten life from the cross that, that are, are able to look at their, their conflicts in their lives and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of using the conflict against their family members, they gain strength from the Holy Spirit and their lives gain more purpose. They have capacity to forgive even though the people don't deserve forgiveness, just like us. Hope from the resurrection means we get to receive all of this and more. I want to let you know that when Jesus died, there were only, uh, he was raised from the dead, and he revealed himself only to 900 people. And then he ascended to heaven. Do you know that today there are 2.5 billion followers of Jesus because they've been so convinced by the inner hope that they've received by the power of the Holy Spirit? 2.5 billion. That's more than the population of the United States. That's more than the population of the United States and Europe. That's more than the population of the United States and Europe and China all put together. And that's after, we can't even calculate, but like more than a billion people have been killed for being followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus have this hope in them 
that's there not just by a distant belief, but because they're actually following the living Jesus. There were witnesses that he was raised from the dead so that he was believable to the first witnesses. But he's revealed himself personally to us too. I can't count how many people I've been with and I just sit with them and I say, I want to let Jesus reveal himself to you right now. And without any manipulation or hype, they come to tears. Because the living Jesus reveals himself to them just like he's revealed himself to me. That's the only way this works. Following Jesus is following Jesus. It's not following a law or a rhythm or a program. Life's too hard for that. I'm sure that might work for you for a week or a month or even a year. Even those, if you're going through addiction, you've been to AA, you know that although you follow all of the steps, none of them happen without this higher power. The higher power that I know is Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to receive, to believe. In uh, the 12th verse of the first chapter of John, which is what I want to make sure that you're reading after Easter. I want you to, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to give one to you. We're going to send one to you. On the Facebook feed right now, you could get in touch with Mission Vineyard. Send a direct message. Go to nextsteps.missionvineyard.org. We're going to send you a Bible. We're going to send your kids Bibles, whatever is needed. And my hope is that you would dig into the book of John. Because at the beginning, in chapter 1, verse 12, it says, For those, all who believed him, and all who accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I want you to believe this morning and to enter into this relationship where you get to be set free into a life that's not based on program or plan, but based on following the champion of humility, the champion of life, the champion of hope, the champion of love. Wherever you are in faith, I want to invite you to this resurrection hope, the life from the cross that we're talking about. And it's not just for you. For those of you who maybe have been had faith before, but maybe you've lost it over time, or maybe it just didn't stand the test of time, I want you to receive him again. I want you to put your hope in a Jesus that can handle your day-to-day, a Jesus that's worth welcoming into all of life. Would you pray with me right now? And it's just simple. It's just simple. Sorry, thank you, please. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I am sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life, what I've done to other people, and how I've abandoned you, my creator, the one who died for me. I didn't even know. I didn't know better, Jesus. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. And just lay it all down. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. I now receive that gift. Please, please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My hope is that as you pray that prayer, you sense something different. 
that this power, this resurrection hope, this grace comes flowing in in such a palpable way that Jesus is authentically revealed to you as he was revealed to the disciples, as he was revealed to the witnesses, as he's been revealed to 2.5 billion people living today. I hope that as you receive him, that you know that your creator loves you deeply and wants you to know his love deeply. We're going to ask you to respond today by going to nextsteps.missionvineyard.org. Let us know that you've made this decision. Put it up on the chat field and just say, I prayed that prayer, whether it was the first time or a second time or a tenth time or whatever. I know, we know, there's not enough times that you can say, sorry, thank you, please. I'm so glad to be able to invite you to this place of humility to introduce you to a God who's humbled himself so that you could have access to his grace and his love and his power. Engage in a small group this week. You can visit smallgroups.missionvineyard.org to continue this journey because God wants to continue to reveal his love to you. And to that, we want to bless you this morning. We bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that you would receive the humble move of God to give you his love and his grace in a powerful way by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you'd be sent out with that love to a world in need of hope, that you'd lay down your cynicism and receive his love and hope. I bless you in Jesus' name.